0: Just nine miles east of central London, Barkin and Dagenham Giving are trying something that has never been done before. Their Grow Fund, England's first community-led investment fund, is backing community enterprises that will make a commercial and social impact in the borough of Barking and Dagenham. So, what makes this fund so special? Well, it was the local residents who decided how the fund was managed and invested. So, join me as I speak to the business owners, the decision makers, and the charity at the helm about what happened next. I'm Elvi Matti. Welcome to Nine Miles East, a podcast about a financial first. First. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? When we ask children this question, their answer filled with imagination. Absolutely anything seems possible. We encourage them to think big. But then something changes over time. The imagination gets lost along the way. Why is that? There are careers today that didn't even exist a decade ago. Possibilities are almost endless. But some career advice for young people has yet to catch up. The borough of Barkley and Dagenham has some of the highest youth unemployment rates in London. Something has to change. To tackle this, we need to think differently. Georgina Alexiou, founder of BD Youth Dance and Sarah Robertson, Managing Director of Future Moulds Communities, have teamed up to address this issue and offer young people bespoke pathways into employment that help them see wider possibilities for themselves.
1: My name is Sarah Robertson. I work for Future Moulds Communities We're a resident-led grassroots organisation based in Barking and Dagenham. We work with young people and their families.
2: My name is Georgina Alexil. I'm the co-founder and project manager of Barking and Dagenham Youth Dance, known as BDYD. We're a small grassroots charity and we use uh, dance, arts and culture as a tool to give young people a voice. So we do dance classes, fitness sessions, leadership programmes and youth dance instructors courses. Georgina shares a little bit about the location where the interview took place. We're at John Smith House, which is a community hub uh, in the heart of Barking for young people um, to develop and uh, use as a space uh, to to be given a voice.
1: We have a music studio on the left. Um, Young people make music, produce music, and produce podcasts. We have a boxing ring. We provide boxing training a few evenings a week. And we have our fitness suite for hip class, yoga class, dance classes, boxing classes,
2: strength and conditioning. And this is very exciting. We've got a, a trainer exhibition here that young people created. So we bought a selection of trainers and spent some time workshopping what a trainer would look like to them, how they feel when they're wearing them. And then the facilitator and a group of young people design this exhibition to get it up onto the walls.
1: This is our hot desk in space. Mm-hmm. So um, anyone wants to start up a new community group, has an idea, residents can come and use this space, and then we use it for Homework Club as well. Georgina opens
0: up about her background in dance and how the traditionally high cost of entry directly
2: inspired her reasons for trying to make performing arts more accessible. So, my background is predominantly in dance and performing arts. It is an expensive industry and it's something that I wanted to make slightly more accessible for young people, particularly those from low income families. I'm aware that visiting the theatre is also very expensive. So I was very keen to get involved in youth work and make the theatre and performing arts career industry. So not just about being the dancer and the actor, uh, but just making those slightly more accessible for children and young people.
0: BND Youth Dance runs several bespoke workshops. Georgina shares more about how young people are vital to developing and delivering the BDYD sessions.
2: So the bespoke courses that we run uh, are based around performing arts, so dance, arts and culture, sports and youth work. We're trying to ensure that they are uh, young people led. So the young people will tell us what kind of course they want to uh, take part in. Uh, and then from that, we are writing schemes of work that include them to understand what the performing arts world looks like, what uh, coaching and um delivering sports classes and workshops, looks like. And then with that, we are also including the youth work, which means that they can then take this type of course or their qualification once they've ended the course off out into youth centres and other um, places of education and deliver the course that we're offering.
0: Georgina and Sarah open up about what they find most rewarding
2: about their work. The things I enjoy the most, I think, are seeing young people being successful at the end of it um, and coming back and owning that journey. I think there's something really quite special about that. So BDYD have been have been delivering for 20 years. So we're now seeing uh, young adults of around early thirties who are coming back to us and saying to us, this is what happened. This is how we tried to deal with it. And BDYD were part of that process. So hearing those stories and also, I think one of the major things that's coming out of, of, of some of the work that we're doing as well is they don't often realise how important those extra uh, uh, curriculum classes were for them. Um, and they don't often realise that until later down the line. And it's those stories that you then come back to, to go, I remember when you said this to me 10, 15 years ago, and now I really understand what you meant by that. And there's something quite special about hearing that, that feedback. Yeah. Georgina explains how the project prepares young people to work in new and emerging roles. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that have come out of lots of conversations is a lot of the young people that have come back to our projects have often said to us that if they had told me what I was doing now would be what I'm doing. I probably wouldn't have believed them because no career advisor and no person at school had ever told me that these jobs exist and I think there's there's something to us responding to that. I think a little bit more and bringing some of those young adults in back to the projects that we're doing so they can talk about those jobs and what the job landscape looks like now as well.
0: Gone are the days when young people only wanted to be doctors and lawyers. The world has changed and so has the job market. What are some of the careers that get young people excited nowadays? Georgina
2: shares a few of the roles that Gen Z want the most. Some of the jobs that are coming back are influencers, uh, YouTubers. Uh, This is a prime example around podcasting. I've got somebody who works in a creative access organization. I've got somebody who works in a PR company who's traveling all all over the world, uh, interviewing and researching um, a variety of different communities to find out for big brands what those communities want. Nobody in school ever told her that she'd be able to you know, that. That they even exist, let alone that she'd be doing that.
0: For Sarah and Georgina and their teams at FNC and BDID, the Grow fund has opened them up to a new world of opportunities.
1: Grow has allowed us to expand our educational provision.
2: Grow has allowed us to achieve uh, bespoke training courses um, and give young people the opportunity to really explore new ways of learning. I joined forces with Sarah because both of us have been in the borough for over 20 years. Between us, we've really challenged the landscape, particularly looking at the gap between small grassroots organisations and the larger ones. Um, And both of us feel very strongly about bridging that together and, 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 and pulling those two together. So much of our work is not just around youth work, but also challenging what the borough looks like for smaller organisations and bringing the larger ones into our realm slightly to uh, to ensure that we can bridge that gap. Sarah shares more
0: about linking up the two businesses and aiming to challenge inequalities across the board.
1: I decided to join forces with Georgina because our values are very closely aligned. We do challenge unequal power dynamics. We're very passionate about inequalities. And young people are at the heart of the work that we do, and that keeps us connected.
0: Sarah breaks down the exact issues that FMC was set up to tackle and find solutions for.
1: The problem that Future Moulds is responding to are health inequalities in Barking and Dagenham. There's a real lack of services for emerging mental health. There's a lack of services in terms of access to GPs, and we have an obesity issue in the borough that seriously needs addressing.
0: For Georgina, her motivation is simple, equal opportunities for all.
2: Idea are responding to uh, the need around there being provision for young people, regardless of what your background is, regardless of what you look like, regardless of the way you dress, regardless of the way you speak, you should have equal opportunity to the services that are out there.
0: Whether it's a small, medium, or even large business, at some point, expansion is considered. Branching out to different areas, introducing new products and services, or hiring more staff are key parts of this process. Georgina looks into the future and describes a world where BDYD's work is available on a large scale. What would she and her team be able to do?
2: So if BDYD was available on a wider scale, I think we'd be able to really open up doors around employment. One of the biggest things that we see particularly in the performing arts and youth voluntary sector is that there isn't enough pathways for young people to go down and learn about uh, how to get a job in a career that they really want to do. Um, A lot of the stuff around performing arts is focusing on the famous dancer as I said before and the famous actor or you know even with sports it's around the footballer but we don't often see the bolt-on careers around that. So the backstage, the wardrobe, the costumes, um, even the administration, box office, front of house. So if we were able to really push what we were doing on a wider scale, then I think we'd be able to really open up the doors for young people to get jobs and careers and be paid for what they really want to do.
0: Sarah also stares into the Barking and Dagnam crystal ball and shares what a more widely available FMC could look like.
1: The benefit on a wider scale would be amplified youth voices across sectors and services and increased peer support for young people. So peer-to-peer support where they're given the tools, the skills, the qualifications, the things they need to support each other.
0: So what's next for FMC and BDYD?
2: So what we've got coming up next is accredited youth provision. I think there's something quite special about attending a youth club, attending a community center, and walking away with an accredited module that's uh, that's bolted on to something, you know, around career development and volunteering. So those who perhaps aren't attending school regularly, or those that are attending PRU centers, or those that are not attending, you know, traditional school settings can also achieve through attending our youth provision. Sarah also has big plans for FMC's short
0: and long-term future.
1: What's coming up next for us is to start training local young people to be able to deliver the courses, upskill local people and involve them in everything we do.
0: As mentioned by other participants, one of the best things about the Growth Fund is collaborations with other businesses. Georgine and Sarah feel the same and look back to the workshops to reflect on their learning.
2: The sessions that i found most useful as part of the Grow Funds programme are the peer-to-peer support sessions. It's been really nice to sit around the table with other grantees and share learning, share our experience. Often what happens when you're funded uh, by a programme, you don't often get to meet the other people or, or uh, projects that have been funded, so... That's been particularly useful. It's also been really nice to meet other local groups as well, because that's also very rare. We don't often, we're also, there's such a culture of being, having to sort of compete against each other that actually it's quite nice to be in a room to support each other.
1: I've really found the one-to-one sessions helpful. They've helped us reflect on our roles in this process. It's helped us to reflect on the partnerships that we have. And it helps us to think about progression and moving forward beyond the Grow Fund.
0: At its core, the Grow Fund allows its grantees the room to try new things. This is especially true for Georgina and her work at BDYD, which now includes a more strategic approach.
2: The Grow Fund, as I've just said, I think um, has has really given us space to unpick a little bit about our organizations so to delve deep into strategies to delve deep a little bit into looking ahead and how to really grow as well so we've been looking at all sorts of spreadsheets we've been looking at all sorts of uh, templates uh, theory of change uh, all those sort of things that when you are delivering on a day-to-day basis and you're faced with you know, tackling the issues that young people are facing every day. Some of the things, some of those things get missed along the way and the Growth Spot Fund is, is giving us that space to be able to do that.
0: Georgina opens up even more about how the Growth Fund tackles the issue of unrestricted funding and opens up doors with other funding bodies.
2: The Growth Fund has helped us to overcome the challenges we have faced recently a big one for me, actually, if I'm really honest, is around receiving unrestricted funding. That's really difficult for small organizations to get. It's also very difficult to secure uh, large pots of money, which we call relatively large at 25,000. It, what it does do now is it means we can go to other funders and we can say the growth fund has invested in us. They've given us unrestricted funds at this much. We are able to cope with this and we can do this and we can actually deliver with this. And uh, and it opens up doors, hopefully, to other funders to work in the same way.
1: I would say go for it. I would say do your research, plan your ideas. I would say draw on the support that they can offer.
0: And what do they love most about Barking and Dagenham? and what the Growth Fund has helped them to achieve.
1: The thing I love most about Barking and Dagenham is the young people.
2: The things I love most about Barking and Dagenham are the people. Um, I think there is a huge amount of development that's about to happen, um, and I find that quite exciting to watch. to watch.
0: This episode of Nine Miles East was produced by Chris Mitchell, Cast Denton, and also Hannah Varel, courtesy of The Feast Collective. Additional editing was done by Engin Hassan, and sound design was by Chris Mitchell. The podcast concept came from Louise Kavanagh at Purposeful Marketing. If you like what you've heard, feel free to leave a rating or a comment and tell all your friends about us. If you live in Barking and Dagenham, and this episode makes you glow with pride, please share it with your neighbours, friends and local family. The more residents who know what's happening here, the better we can shape the future together. This podcast is brought to you by Barking and Dagenham Giving. To learn more about the Growth Fund and other things happening with BD Giving, please visit bdgiving.org.uk.